Listen, I want you to open your Bibles, and uh, whether it's on your phone, tablet, whatever you're using, to Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 11. In the, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. Uh, you can find your way there, Mark chapter 11. If you are following on your tablet or phone, if, you, if you're using version, you can go under events, and there you'll find Charlotte's Hope Church. It'll be our notes, our scriptures. You can take notes right there and, uh, and follow along that way. But we are in week two. Uh, of a three-week series we've called 72. And the reason we call it 72 is it represents 72 hours, three days in the life of Jesus that quite honestly a lot of folks don't focus on. Because there's the three days that come between what we call the triumphal entry when Jesus came into Jerusalem with his face set toward the cross. He knew where he was going and from that point of entering Jerusalem until the Friday that he went to the cross. We celebrate and call Good Friday. But in between that time, there were some amazing events that took place in the life of Jesus and some amazing teaching that really translates to our commission and our goal even now as believers. And last week, we started out by talking about what I call the other Jesus, how that uh, he revealed himself in ways during that time that, uh, that had not been revealed before. And I, and I shared how that so often we kind of stop with our favorite image of Jesus and never grow beyond what we see him as. And for many, that's the, you know, they see him as the Christmas Jesus, and he's the sweet little baby, and we just want to cuddle him, and oh, he's our, he's our buddy, right? And, uh, and, and, that, and that is a great image of Christ, but he didn't come just to be a baby. You know, we, we, we stop sometimes at the teaching Jesus, because oh, there was no better teacher than Jesus. I mean, the, the moral laws through the, through the Sermon on the Mount and all through the Gospels, they show us the way to live. For others, it's the miracle-working Jesus, we just need him when we're hurting. You know, that's, that's all we see him as, is I'm hurting, we need Jesus. It's not a relationship as much as it is an aid to our lives. And then we know the, the resurrected Jesus, and we, we truly celebrate him, because unless he came out of that grave, the Apostle Paul says, we're, we're foolish. We, we've missed the mark. We've kind of wasted our time, but he did rise, and because of that, we have hope. But there's this other Jesus. There's this Jesus that says, I'm going to be the Lord of your life. I, I don't settle for second place. It's the Jesus that came to show the way was not religion, it was relationship. And this morning, we're going to look into how this other Jesus came to expand the disciples' concept of power and authority, but also to show that that's available to you and I today. So we pick it up in, in chapter uh, 11, down in verse 20. This would be the, the Wednesday. Just to remind you, so you kind of set the, the, the stage. On Tuesday, as he had come into, come into Jerusalem, he had rested Monday night. On Tuesday, he goes out, and the first thing he does, he walks up, sees a fig tree that has leaves on it but no fruit, and curses it. And then he goes to the temple, and he breaks up the temple, turns the tables over, drives people out. And we studied how that what he was doing was he was showing Israel two very important things. One, as a nation, they had a, they had a form of, of faith, but yet they had no fruit to show it. They had a form of religion, but it didn't lead to justice. It didn't lead to mercy. It didn't lead to love. And, and he showed them by the cursing of the fig tree that their nation was cursed. And then by the clearing out of the temple, he, he took on their religion and their worship. He says, your worship is just a lot of activity. But again, you mistreat the poor. You don't love the brokenhearted. The priests are not servants. And so he showed them again there was a curse on their, on their nation. Now we pick up the story on Wednesday morning, and it says this in the morning. As they went along, they saw a fig tree withered from its roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. 
And if we would have written the Bible, Jesus would have said, no, duh, I did that yesterday, okay? What was your problem? Did you not believe? But what Peter was saying is, I really didn't believe. You cursed the victory. You said, may it never live again. And guess what? It withered. And Jesus said in verse 22, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it'll be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Father, let us have a, a heart to, to respond to you today. God, let our ears be uh, attentive to what your Spirit would speak to us through your Word. And God, I pray that, Lord, we would all, all grow closer into, Lord, more and more being in the image of who you are, God, in our hearts, our lives, and everything we do. God, we thank you for this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So on Tuesday, Jesus did something that seemed so out of character. You know, it was almost the picture of the grumpy Jesus. Like, you know, you wonder if he had his coffee because he walks out, he's hungry, he goes to a fig tree, there's no fruit on the fig tree, and he curses it. He says, may, may there never be any more fruit on this tree. And, and we, we look at that, and like the disciples, we kind of scratch our head and go, okay, what's up with the fig tree? <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. But now on Wednesday, he goes back to the same fig tree. And the disciples look at it, and Peter's the one. Peter was always the one to speak first. And he said, look at that. He said, I can't believe that you have that much power. Now think about this. Peter had already seen Jesus raise people from the dead. Peter had already seen him open blind eyes. He'd already seen him make the lame walk, but he sees a fig tree dead, and he's like, what? Where has this been? This is amazing. And Jesus is like, Peter, get a grip. If you have faith, Peter, if you believe, Peter, if you believe disciples, if you believe church, you will do similar things. If you believe there is power and authority I give to you, that you're going to carry out my work, not in your own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see at this fig tree, this, this, this cross in their, in their walk, this, this, this seemingly insignificant moment, Jesus teaches some incredible principles that you and I need to get a hold of today. And the first was quite obvious. We shared it last week. We talked a lot about that, and that is profession without reality is cursed. Jesus said he's going to judge the religious. It's not about looking right, acting right, smelling right, carrying the right Bible, going to the right church, saying God bless you, which means not a whole lot in the South or any of those kind of things, because he's saying it's about a heart relationship that leads to justice, leads to mercy, leads to, leads to sharing your faith, walking it out. But he was showing them through Israel, through the fig tree, because the fig tree was a representative of Israel. He said, listen, a show of religion without truth, without life change, is not going to get you to heaven. In fact, he says, there are going to be people that come to him in the end days. And they're going to say things like, Lord, don't you remember that I, I cast out demons in your name? Lord, don't you remember that I prophesied? I stood up and I, I shared truth, God. And he says, people are going to come to him and say, Lord, I did great things in your name. And he's going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. I don't, I don't know you. you. You stepped out and used the authority of, of my name, and you, you, you worked through the sovereignty of God and the, the word to see good things happen, but you did it as a show. You never knew me. You never gave your life to me. You never walked with me. You see, religion is all about activity. God sent his son that we would know relationship. 
It leads to works, but works are not what save us. What saves us is our faith. It's walking in that grace we sang about this morning. So the first thing he showed them was this profession without reality is truly cursed. But then he turns the, the principle, and he turns the story for, 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 the, for the benefit of both the disciples and us. Look, look back at what he says to them. He says, have faith in God, Peter. Have faith in God. Because truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, he's, he's, he's looking, he's kind of got his thumb over his back, he's referring to the Mount of Olives that, that rose up 4,000 feet and behind it was the Dead Sea. And he was saying to them, look, Peter, he says, you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what I say will happen, it'll be done for you. He says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you received it, and it will be yours. Now you ask, how's that connected to the fig tree? What does this have to do with the fig tree? It's all about the response they had. It's all about the response they had to what in Jesus, if you follow the story of his life, was a very minor miracle. To curse a tree and it dies compared to raising somebody from the dead, not not that big of a deal, but they were in awe of it. And they came to him and they said, Lord, how did you do that? What, what, do you, what did you do that for? And, and he says to them what we need to hear today. He says, listen, if you have faith, if you're walking in God's will, if you are if you're active in, in spreading the kingdom of God, he says, I tell you, you can say to this mountain and not doubt in your heart, but believe it with all your heart. He said, it'll be thrown into the sea. Now, how many know he was not talking literally about moving mountains into the sea? Anybody? So we're not going to go out and curse the Rockies and throw them into the Pacific, all right, or the Sierra Nevadas or the Appalachians or anything else. What he was saying was, He says, look, you're about to go out, disciples. He knew he was leaving. He knew he was going to the cross. You're about to go out, and you're going to be doing things and and working with people and and sharing the truth in situations that, you know what, you're not adequate for. You're not prepared for. You're not the answer for. And there's going to be obstacles sometimes in your way and in the ways of people that you're trying to reach with the gospel that literally the obstacle is so big in their minds they can't see past it, but you're going to have authority to to pray in my name with faith believing and see those obstacles removed. It's it's very similar in in John's gospel. You don't need to go there. We'll put it up on the screen. It's very similar to to this promise he he shared with him at at the Last Supper. He said something very similar to the same disciples when they, when they had the Last Supper together. In John 14, verse 12, he said, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He says, look, there's one of me, but there's a multitude of you. And if we all go out by faith, exercising that faith, look at what can happen in, in bringing justice and healing and, and salvation across the world. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Just curious. You think this is a good thing? Yeah. I mean, if I hear my heavenly Father saying, Mike, guess what? I, I, yes, my son died for you, and he rose from the grave for you. Your sins are forgiven because you have faith to believe. By, by, by grace, I've been saved through faith, not of works. Awesome. But he says, but while you're here on this earth, guess what? I have that calling on you. I have that calling in your life, and that calling is on all of us, and that is to be the witnesses of the gospel and to go forth and tell people about Jesus, to be involved in the lives of the broken, to be involved in the lives of the hurting. And what he's saying to us is, I want to give you this authority and this power, not so that you can have a bunch of cool toys in your garage, but so that you can pray with people 
And you can stand in front of what seems like mountains, and you can believe and not doubt, and when you do that, I'm going to act on your behalf. You see, faith is a, is a very tricky thing to me. It's, it's a very curious thing to me. Because if you ask people, you say, what's faith? Well, usually they'll answer belief, right? It's belief. But belief in what? Well, I don't know, but it's just belief, right? We're supposed to believe, and that's what we receive. But yet, faith is not just belief in anything. In fact, faith is very specific. You see, guys, faith is not faith in things that you, you, you think ought to be, right? We all have that, well, it, well if, if I was God, this is the way it ought to be, and we, we sort of kind of build up this boldness of, well, we have faith that it should be like I think it should be, but that's not faith. And faith is not a faith in our own ideas, our own dreams, our own ambitions, our own abilities. Faith is simply placing confidence in God, that he is who he says that he is, and that he does what he says that he does. You see, faith is something that we are all challenged to grow in, but so often we have a hard time understanding even what it is. He was saying to them, look, guys, every human being alive sometimes has mountains that stand in the way of their lives. Everyone. None of us are immune to that. And if we took time this morning, went around the room, if we were honest, if this was like a community group and we were like sharing together, we could say, hey, what's your mountain? And we would all be able to say, yeah, they're, they're mountains. There's things that... Uh, Maybe they were in your past, maybe they're right there before you, or maybe you fear they're coming in the future. But we could all say there's at least one thing in our life that seems to be that obstacle of our faith. Maybe, maybe it's a destructive habit, or, or, or a character flaw, or, or maybe the impossible marriage, or the impossible uh, the work environment, whatever that may be. And the, and the truth is, for many who even name the name of Jesus, we've gotten so used to the mountain that we've learned to live in the shadow and we think it's normal. And sadly, when we pray, there's this almost like this voice in the back of our head that goes, why bother? Why bother? What Jesus was saying was, listen, he's given us power and authority that we don't exercise nearly enough. He's given us promises that he says are still true to this day. He's given us authority over some circumstances and situations that we think have authority over us. And he wants us to grasp this because he wants us to see that if we are going to be a people that bring hope and healing, if we're going to be a people that, that lead and show the love of Christ, then we're going to be dealing with people that very much need to know that no matter what their mountain is, God has the power and authority to break through that. And to set them free and to take them on a path that leads to peace, leads to life. So how do we get that? How do we, how do we get that kind of prayer? How do we get that kind of faith in our lives? I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. It's very simply this morning. It's simple in, in a sermon, but it's complicated in our pursuit. You'll understand in just a moment. The, the first thing, though, is this. Powerful faith does not focus on the mountain, but it focuses on the mountain mover. Powerful faith does not spend its whole time telling everybody about the mountain. Well, I got this mountain in my life, and it's huge. It's this debt that I owe, and I'll, I don't think I'll ever get out from under it. It's just, it's just overwhelming us. It's killing our marriage. It's killing our faith. It's just, and you just go on and on and on, and, and you're sitting there with your chin hanging open going, I wish I hadn't asked. But faith says, I have a mountain. Well, I have a God who's greater than that mountain. I have a mountain, but I serve a 
risen Savior. And if he can conquer death, hell, and the grave, what's my little financial problem? Because guess what? He owns it all. Amen? And if we, if we have faith, and what we're saying is, God, we're going to look at you more than we're going to look at our mountain, and we're going to place our confidence in something, in someone that we know is true. You see, faith is only faith if it is faith in God as he has revealed himself to us. That's why the word of God is so important. Faith is only faith when we walk in the character and the nature of God and we don't speculate of what we think God would like to do in a situation, but we know who he is. We say, God, we believe it's your will that, Lord, they would be set free right here. God, we pray with faith believing. You know, we sang some songs this morning of breaking chains and all of this, and we can get all the imagery, but it really rolls back to that concept that we serve a great God who is faithful. We serve a great God who can do anything. We serve a great God who doesn't change like shifting shadows, the word says. That is not a man that he would lie and go back on his word. We serve a God who is consistent. He never changes. And when he made a promise, he doesn't wake up having a bad day like we do and say, I don't feel like taking care of that promise today. He doesn't need coffee, amen? He's always on. And he's always available. So what Jesus was saying to the disciples is so critical for us today. He said, if you're going to move in this kind of faith, then you've got to start focusing on God's adequacy and not our own inadequacy. Because I'll tell you something. When you stand before somebody that's going through a trial, and they're, they're broken, they're hurting, and they ask you to pray, you realize very quickly how inadequate you are. And our, Denise and I were pastoring in Waco, Texas. I never will forget because... It was the traditional church, right? The you know, shotgun down the middle, pews, the whole thing, you know, with the organ that sounded like a 747 landing and the, and the guy leading songs like this. And, you know, very traditional. And every Sunday morning to my right, I would look over and I'd see a blind man and a deaf woman. And every Sunday they came down and asked me to pray. Now, you want to feel how inadequate you are? You're like, who am I? You know, I'm like 28 years old going, God, I'm just trying to figure this stuff out. And I got a blind man and a deaf woman. But what it showed me was is that my faith needed to agree with what God says. And there were times I have to admit I would pray with them and I'd walk away thinking, God, really? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. And they would be the ones that would encourage me. And they're like, Pastor, we don't give up. We keep pressing in. Pastor, we don't stop praying. We believe. And in my, in my young faith, I'm like, but, but you're not healed yet. And they're like, we know. Do you think we don't know? That's why churches with young pastors are gracious. Man, we don't get it sometimes. We have to learn on them, right? But they would encourage me. they say, Pastor, we will see it. Our God is faithful. We trust in him. It's that matter of focusing not on our advocacy but on his. Because here's the deal. God does not see barriers. But we do. He's the alpha and the omega. He's already seen the end of it all. He knows, he knows what's ahead of us. So when we're praying, we, we only see this. We're like that little tunnel vision, and we're so limited because of that. But he sees it all, and he doesn't see the barriers we see. He sees opportunity for us to focus on him, because when we focus on him, he channels through us his grace and his power. You see, guys, grace is a very important word in this, in this understanding, because grace for most people is a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's kind of what we, or get-out-of-hell-free card is what we look at it as, because we say, oh, we're saved by grace. That's awesome. But grace is powerful. Grace leads us to confidence. Grace builds in us, in us hope. And hope is that confident expectation of God doing what God says he will do. But it begins by grace. We don't deserve it. 
We didn't do anything for it. We just believed. And so what he was saying to them was, listen, if you have faith, it's not, it's not I have faith so I can get what I want, but it's I have faith so I can come into alignment with my God. And I can say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right now in this situation. And God, I stand in a place of believing it'll be done. Because when I have faith, trusting in the revelation of God, then I begin to pray consistent with who God is. I begin to pray consistent with what his will is and what his purpose is. I begin to pray consistent with what God's desire would be and not just my own desire. And when I do that, then I'm seeing God as he is and he's revealed himself to me. But how does that happen? How do you get there? How do you get to that place of faith? Well, can I tell you, you're always pursuing that place of faith. You don't arrive one day and say, I'm the mountain-moving prayer guy around here because we're all growing in that. And here's the cool thing, and it's available to all of us. So we don't have like the designated mountain mover in the church. God says, no, we all have that same possibility. We all have that same faith. So how do we get there? How does faith happen in our lives? Now, I know some of you guys that really know the Bible like, Pastor, come on, we know. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the? Now, some of y'all, that was new to you. You're like, what? What'd they say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I say, you are absolutely correct. But here's the problem. The disciples didn't have the Word of God. They didn't get to read this. They had the Torah. They had the Old Testament stories. But they had something we didn't have, though. They got to walk with Jesus. But can I tell you, it's the same promise and the same premise today, and that is if we want to have faith, then God gives us faith as we learn to walk with him as we learn to know him, as we pursue a relationship, as we grow in our understanding. You know, it's interesting how we want something, but we approach it with a poverty mentality, and that's that, you know, we, we don't have it and we don't think we ever will, so why bother trying? But when we want to grow in faith, we go here. We come to God's word and we say, God, let us see your character, your nature. Let us rehearse what you have done because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, God, we're going to trust you. So, in the disciples, for them to walk with Jesus, they had this, they had this understanding. They knew what happened back in the day. They had grown up with the stories. They had grown up with the stories that we read in the Old Testament now. And, and for them, it was life. For us, it's a good story. And I thought back to, to one of those stories of, of, of what they might be rehearsing in their minds because as, a, as growing up in a Jewish family, they'd heard it over and over again. And that was the story of when the children of Israel came out of bondage, out of Egypt, and came into the promised land. It, it's the representation of what we see as salvation. And it's very interesting in that story back in Joshua, the book of Joshua, that before he let them go into the promised land, he, he said there's three days of preparation. But in those three days, here's what he did, and it gives us a pattern of how we build our faith. The first thing he did, he said, look, we've been here before. They, they came to the Jordan River. It was, it was the barrier. It was that mountain. We, we've come here before. He says, now, we're going to cross the Jordan because the promised land is there. God had made the promise to Joshua, the children of Israel. They were, they were young. They had come up. The, the ones who had doubted before were dead. It was a new generation. And he, and he brought them up to the place, and here's the orders he gave them. He said, listen. Keep an eye on the Ark of the Covenant. The priests, when they put it on their shoulders, you, you, you keep your eyes on that. You, you follow the Ark. And, and what the Ark represented was the Word of God. It was knowledge. Guys, faith comes through knowledge. Faith comes through understanding God's Word. 
And can I tell you, it's not your grandma's understanding of the Bible, it's yours that builds your faith. It's not anybody else's, it's ours. And we are a generation that is without excuse when it comes to access to the Word of God. It's on our stinking phones, amen? It's right there. It'll even remind you, you didn't read your Bible today. Kind of irritates you sometimes. But again, it's kind of helpful, right? He says, keep your eyes on the ark. The second thing he said, which is equally important, is he said, listen, they encouraged everyone to expect God to do something amazing. They said, we've never been this way before. So there's an expectation. So our faith begins to grow. We have knowledge, and then we begin to expect something to happen. But the third piece is the hard part, and that's when he said to them, now listen, for this to happen, for the Jordan River to not be an obstacle, he said the priest are going to have to step out and wade out into the river and stand in the middle of the river with the ark on their shoulders. Now, biblical history, they were not alive when Jesus parted the Red Sea. They had heard about it. They'd never seen it. So can you imagine these priests with this large, heavy ark of the covenant? The water is flooding. It's at flood stage, and they're like, okay, we've got the knowledge. We've got anticipation, but man, obedience is hard. (laughs) you really want us to step out into that water. But can I tell you, it's when we step out that our faith grows. It's when we step in that our faith grows. It's when when we speak to somebody, when we pray over somebody, when we trust God with our finances, when we trust God with our business, when we walk in obedience, that's where faith grows. What happened in the story was when the priest waded out in the water, the miracle happened. The Jordan rolls back. They walk across on dry land. And the rest is history. But that pattern is the same for us today. If we want our faith to grow, we need the word. We need expectation. And we need obedience. Because here's the the key. And this is the wrap-up point. And that is, for our faith to grow, it's got to be persistent. You see, he says, when you pray and you ask in my name, believe that you'll receive, then you will have it. But here's the problem with our technology-driven Instant access society. Well, God, I prayed. I didn't see it happen, so you must not be interested. I move on. And yet the Word shows us patterns again and again of prayer and faith that grows. In fact, there's a statement that Jesus made, and we're going to close with this scripture, and it's in Matthew 17, 20, where he said to to the very disciples earlier in their walk, he said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'd say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it'll it'll move and nothing would be impossible. And you know what the church has done with that scripture? We've totally misinterpreted it. Because everybody says, if you just have a little faith. I've been in service where they've handed out mustard seed. I mean, it's a little bitty. And the premise is always, if you just have a little faith. But here's the thing they miss. The mustard seed grows into a very, very large bush. And the picture's not of this little faith. It's of a growing faith. It's got to start somewhere. But here's the deal. When it starts, we got to act on it. And when we pray, we got to believe. Because our faith starts small sometimes. But if we keep coming and we keep praying and we keep believing, what we're doing is we're letting God enlarge the faith in us. Until that point that we're absolutely believing, God, nothing is impossible for you. But I'm afraid so many have missed. I'm afraid so many have missed out on seeing God move in your family, in your life, because you just quit. You, you just, you didn't, you didn't press in. There was no persistence. There was no continuance. So therefore, there was no strengthening of faith. 
You say, but Mike, I've grown weary. We've been praying over this for years. So many things in the Bible. We get this picture like God said, Shazam, there it is, done. But the Bible, I, I wish there was this addendum to say, how long did it take between here and here? Because sometimes it was like 40 years. God, that's not fair. We want it now. Listen, guys. We live in a broken world. I believe God's wanting to expand and, and, and grow us as people to reach people for Christ. We live among a broken people. There is a spirit of poverty in this area that we are building a church in that just doesn't believe that things are possible. And I'll tell you, they don't need a human answer. They need a supernatural answer from Jesus Christ. They need an encounter with God. But it begins with us. It begins in our prayer. It begins in us believing for greater than and greater things. And it doesn't happen because we wish it to be. It doesn't happen because we want it to be. It happens because we go before God and we say, God, we're not letting go until this comes about. It may mean obedience to God and doing some things you're not comfortable doing. It may mean taking some scary steps of faith. Whatever it may be, it's the adventurous life that the other Jesus is calling us to. And he says, those that follow me don't back down. Those that follow me don't give up. Those that follow me believe all things are possible. And they go to God saying, Heavenly Father, you're a good God. Make it happen. Make it happen. Our first foray in ministry, I've shared stories with of the hog farming days of Eastern Carolina. And I can't tell you a lot of good stories coming out of those three years, but I saw God do some things I will never forget. Probably the greatest story of those three years was in a little church in Chinkapin, North Carolina. Anybody know where that is? You just can't get there from here. It's Duplin County. It smells like hogs and turkeys the moment you drive in it. Denise still breaks out in highs. We'll get even close to it. But that is a little lady. Not little, she was strong. But she played the piano. Her name was Betty. Never forget Betty. Betty was my buddy. Everybody else wanted to fire me day one. She stuck with me. It took three years before they fired me, okay? But she was stuck with me. But Betty was married to Rudy. Rudy was what you would call a good drunk. He was the classic Mayberry character of Otis. They had a jail cell with his name on it because he was always drunk, 20 years. Well, see, when I met Rudy, he was saved. He was the first one to meet me. What are we going to do, Pastor? We're going to pray. And what I didn't know was is that Betty finally shared with me. She goes, do you know how long it took praying for Rudy to stop drinking? I said, how long? 20 years. I said, you tell me you prayed for 20 years every day. How did you not get discouraged? Because I know God answers prayer. And to this young guy, I, I sat back and went, I don't know if I would do that. But the proof was in front of me. And what God would say to us is, there are mountains that just don't move instantly. There are things that don't change because you wish it so. But if we get in and we start praying 
and we start believing, and we start asking, and we start coming before God, can I tell you something? He is going to enlarge our faith, and we're going to be able to see things take place that we can only dream of, not so that we can consume it on our lust, so that others may be set free in the name of Jesus. But guys, it all begins with, are we willing? And that's my challenge to us today. Are we willing? People think that churches grow because they have big programs or the church is built on big personalities and all that. And, and maybe it does, but I'll tell you something. Churches that walk in power where people are getting saved and healed and delivered, it's not based on that at all. It's based on the prayers of God's people. That in the midst of those prayers, God reveals what he wants to do. And when we come and we see what God does, then he gets all the glory. And there's not, one, there's not a superstar among us. There's one. It's Jesus Christ, him crucified. And him raised. But it begins in prayer. So I want us to stand and we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to do what only God can do. Because one of the things we have to do when it comes to this is some of us have lived under the shadow of the mountain so long that we believe the lies of the enemy more than we believe the truth of what God says. The enemy says your loved one's not going to be healed. The enemy says, why bother praying over that? You're going to go bankrupt. The enemy says, your child is just gone. But my God has the last word. And he has the last word for you. So here's what I want us to do. We always come to the end of our services at Hope and ask you to do two things. That is to ask yourself, what is God saying to me? And I think that's very explosive this morning because right now, I believe a lot of you, you're, you're visualizing the mountain. You're like, yeah, I, I've grown accustomed to the shadow. And, and others of you are, are, you're getting pumped up. You're like, pastor, come on, let's take it on. But whatever God is saying to you, you've got to act on it. I, I can't do it for you. I agree with you. We'll agree with prayer. But I can tell you, God wants to answer your prayer not just Mike's prayer. I pray God's will be done. I pray God's best over you. I pray God would pour his blessing out on you every day. I pray God to give you wisdom and strength. I pray God to give you power and bravery, courage. But he's listening for your voice. Let's make it known today. Would you